Hey guys, it's Abdul for your good friends over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, for the most part, the holidays, I'll admit it, the holiday seasons are pretty much here. So might as well go and start your holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, you know, Hanukkah, Ramanza shopping, no matter what it is. So might I recommend our good friends over at Leon Tailoring. Get your loved one a nice gift certificate for some good clothes over at Leon Tailoring. They get something ready-made, something custom-made, or something tailor-made, no matter what it is, you can find it over at Leon Tailoring. Tell Larry, Norman, Kim, and Judy, Abdul sent you. They'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our friends at AES uh, have put together an integrated resource plan uh, with the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission. It's a 20-year outlook that charts a path to what they call smarter, greener energy for the future and for the Indiana investor-owned utility. And join us in studio is Tanya Searcy. Uh, she is the Chief Public Relations Officer for AES. So, Tanya, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, help us out here. Uh, first of all, what, tell, tell our audience once again what AES actually does and what range you guys cover. So AES Indiana is a local utility. We service Marion County and some of the outlying um, donut counties. And then we jut down to Pike County in Petersburg, where we um, have a, a large power plant there. We have a large um, combined cycle gas turbine in Martinsville, Indiana. Um, and then we also have our Harding Street Generation Station just south of uh, the city. And for the longest time, obviously, like a lot of other energy companies use fossil fuels, but apparently there's a change in, in the works. There is a change. It's interesting. I've been with the organization for seven years. And when I started seven years ago, 88% of our generation supply was coal. Um, and to know that we are so rapidly um, moving moving toward renewables um, just in that short amount of time has been a pretty fascinating thing to be witness to. Um, so yeah, so our 20-year um, IRP process, our integrated resource plan, it's a 20-year modeling forecast that we do every three years. Um, it's sort of a snapshot in time. And the reason why we do it every three years is to make sure that we are still monitoring new technologies that are going to come on the market that might in in you know effect help our customers and help sustainability, affordability, reliability um, that we can integrate three years from now as well. So for example, uh, say, say like, take like the electric car, for example, 10 years ago, it was still a kind of a novelty thing. Now it's, you're seeing commercials for it on television. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of a cool thing to be witness to as well, because we do have an electric vehicle subscription program called Motor um, that was launched through our innovation, um, our innovation arm. So we're part of a global company, um, AES. I, I like to consider AES globally as um, an energy innovation company. So we have technology specific to solar, wind, um, battery storage. As a matter of fact, the first um, large-scale battery in the state of Indiana is located at our Harding Street Generation Station. Um, and so AES Next, which is our innovation arm, um, they come up with sort of new products and services that we can offer to not just our customers, but other customers with utilities um, across the U.S. Move your microphone that way. Okay. <laughs> a little bit, little bit louder. Okay, great. Um, so uh, apparently, uh, in the, in your portfolio, there's a short-term plan and a long-term plan. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about the short-term plan, if you could. So the short-term plan includes um, adding up to 1,300 megawatts of renewable energy through solar, wind, and battery storage, um, converting the two remaining converting the two remaining coal-burning units in Petersburg to natural gas, um, and that conversion project will begin um, Q1 2024, um, and then monitoring. So as I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, monitoring new technologies that we can um, we can look at factoring in when we go through the IRP process in three years. Uh, and I, here's a question I've always had about megawatts. 
how much how much is one megawatt in power in in a weird way? So <laughs> I we look at it we look at it in this way. So an average Indiana household um, consumes a thousand kilowatts per month. That's an average household. So when you're thinking in terms of of megawatts, obviously that's you know. Let's talk about my wife and her hair dryer. <laughs> then it's more like three thousand kilowatts. <laughs> we, we we have this debate in our household over 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 energy usage. And my, I, I remind my wife something my dad told me like when I was a little kid. Son, it's the heat generating appliances that consume the most electricity. So your television, not so much. Your your hot comb, it probably will. So thank you very much for yeah. Well, and and so speaking of that too, because I have this conversation a lot with with my mom, um, you know, because she's she asks questions about electric vehicles and how much money they cost to charge. And the interesting thing is, is, is um, I had an electric vehicle for a little bit, um, just a couple of months ago, and I just plugged it into the normal outlet in my garage. Um, and charging an electric vehicle is supposed to essentially take no more power than say your water heater. So. Our guest in the program today is Tanya Searcy. Uh, she is the Chief Public Relations Officer uh, for AES. Those are the energy folks. We're literally, literally right across the street uh, from where we are right now. So we're talking about uh, their integrated resource plan. It's sort of a short-term and long-term approach uh, to energy needs here uh, in the state of Indiana. Um, obviously, uh, in, in your short-term plan, uh, since the conversion of your Petersburg, uh, getting away from coal, how easy, difficult has that transition transition been? So the transition hasn't started yet. Okay. So we're waiting. We're actually waiting on um, the order from the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission. So when we go through this three-year IRP process, um, we put together you know 20 years worth of modeling based on a snapshot in time now. And then we go through months and months and months of public advisory meetings. So we take stakeholder um, stakeholder input um, in order to factor what the specific preferred resource portfolio will be. Um, and then we take that to the IURC and present it through our filing. So once the IURC comes back to us and says, yes, we like this plan, or here's how we would like for you to tweak this plan. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we went through a lot of different modeling scenarios and we found through all of those different exercises that this preferred resource portfolio provides the most affordable, reliable, and sustainable outcome for our customers. You know, I know the issue always been with uh, with switching from uh, from coal to like wind and solar is that it's not always sunny outside and the wind doesn't always blow. Yeah, which is the reason why you need to have a nice mix of of you know. I guess, of power options that are incorporated into your generation portfolio. Um, so ours will include um, natural gas, solar, battery storage, wind, um, you know, and I, I think because your your point. So, you know, we're getting ready to approach the shortest day, right, as we approach, you know, um, the end of December. And so fun fact, there are also a an average of 81 total like sunshine days in the state of Indiana. So we have to be able to incorporate other renewable options um, in order to ensure reliability for our customers. Now, are you guys, uh, do you do the solar panels? Is that how you do solar or how does that work? So right now we are actually um, working through, we have a couple of um, solar array projects that we're developing. So um, as a matter of fact, one of our, our commitments to Pike County in the Petersburg area is to develop a Petersburg Energy um, 
a Petersburg Energy Center, which will be solar. Um, it was incredibly important to us. We have a, a long history in the Petersburg area. It's a 50-year legacy. Um, and so we, you know, it's a large portion of their tax their tax revenue. Um, we are a large employer down there, so we wanted to make sure we were remaining committed. Um, but to your question about the conversion, the conversion project and how hard is it, so the great thing about Petersburg specifically is there is already existing infrastructure there. There's already a pipeline. So the conversion project will actually cost less than if we would have to go out and build an entirely new an entirely new plant. Tanya Cersei with us. Uh, she is the chief spokesman uh, for AES, as the folks, the energy folks. So we talk about their uh, in- integrated resource plan, uh, sort of a short-term and a long-term plan uh, to sort of address energy, Indiana's energy needs in sort of every three years, if I got the date right, to sort of reevaluate to see what, what the needs are. Uh, obviously, talk about the short-term plan. What's in the long-term? Long-term plans. I mean, AES globally and locally, we are fully committed to making the world a cleaner, greener place for our customers. Um, we are very aggressive with our renewable goals. Um, as a matter of fact, our parent company um, based in Arlington, Virginia, has made a commitment that we will globally, so in 14 countries, we will globally have exited coal by the end of 2025. Wow, that's like three years from now. It is, yeah. <clears throat> so what happens to all the coal? <laughs> Um, I mean, there are still other uses. Yeah. You know, there are still many other utilities that are using coal. Um, so, you know, knowing that 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 is still a factor, um, it just happens to be a direction that we are taking with our company. But there are still many other utilities that are that are using that for. Yeah, because I was kind of wonder. Uh, obviously, uh, we're the Midwest. And Midwest is big on on coal. We have as much coal as Saudi Arabia has more, more coal than once say Saudi Arabia has mm-hmm. oil. So, my question is always sort of what happens to those sort of local economies that have depended on coal. For just so long. So for us, with our people, um, as we work through the conversion project, it's really important for us to make sure that we stay committed to the Petersburg area, knowing that that is the situation, um, committed to our people. So if there are indeed going to be like impacts to people, which we don't even know what that's going to look like yet, um, because, you know, we we want to make sure that we're being mindful and thoughtful to retirement plans or, you know, when when someone is like transitioning to we have many people transitioning to many different departments in our company. We have a whole clean energy arm that is growing aggressively. Um, so we want to make sure that we're able to place our people and, and stay committed to ensure that they have healthy, you know, successful lives um, in the community that they currently live and serve. Um, I want to say also uh, by 2030, uh, you're projecting, and we've got this right here, a 68% uh, reduction in CO2 emissions. From 2018. From correct. 2018. Yes. Um, so how does how do you plan to to do that? I mean, a lot of that is by converting, you know, converting away from away from coal and, and transitioning to natural gas, um, and then also adding in the renewables with solar, with the battery storage, um, and with wind. So, um, and that's the other thing about about the uh, wind turbines. Are you guys uh, the wind turbines up north on 65? <laughs> uh, lots of mixed mixed emotions over those. Uh, we are not. Okay. Um, however, we don't we don't currently own operate any wind in in the area. We do, however, have purchase power agreements um, with with different wind farms and solar farms. Well, like I can say if you guys want to build a wind farm, just put a bunch of wind turbines up near the Capitol building. You have all the hot air that that you'll possibly need for for a long time. And I can say this: I've been covering politics for thirty years. So, uh, our guest on the program today is Tanya Cersei. Uh, she is with AES. Uh, we're talking for a few minutes about AES sort of in a integrated plan, uh, integrated research plan uh, for renewables and the whole nine yards and the whole nine yards. Um, is it? Uh, when did the decision come down to say, hey, you know what? We need to switch to. We need to phase out fossil fuels. Move toward renewable renewable sources of fuel. 
Uh, when did you guys make that decision, or was it just a process? No, yeah, it's truly a part of the process. It is an unbiased process. We go through, you know, we take many, many different factors into consideration when we're putting together all of the different models um, for review. Stakeholder, you know, engagement is really important to us. Um, the city of Indianapolis, we had a, a lot of feedback from them. Um, and, you know, the mayor and his team are actually really happy to know that our plan is actually much more aggressive than some of the metrics incorporated into the city's Thrive Plan. Um, and so ultimately, like we, this is not something we have decided necessarily until we get the, the order back from the IURC. Um, you know, so we are we are regulated and we are mindful to that. But this was truly the plan that provided the most affordable, reliable and sustainable outcome for our customers. And so when you're looking at the fact that like through the conversion project alone, um, like essentially this is going to save our customers over the course of 20 years, two hundred and forty million dollars. You can't you can't really argue with that cost savings for our customers. Um, and at the core, our customers are the focus of everything that we do. Um, so the fact that we are able to provide this $240 million of savings over the course of 20 years with an outcome that is reliable and sustainable, I mean, I feel like that's it's like the trifecta of wins. Yeah, because I was going to ask about the afford- sort of the affordability, because I know for a lot of folks, they don't, not that they're not conscious of the environment, but they don't care. They just want to make sure that their bills don't go through the roof. Well, and we offer we offer a lot of different programs to help our customers. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we've just done this year is partnered with our friends, you know, right up right up Meridian Street um, at Citizens Energy through a program called Utilities Unite for Customers, knowing that our customers are facing increasing rates, inflation, um, you know, just rising costs everywhere, food, gas, all of it. Um, so we were trying to be very mindful about how we communicated with our customers, ways that they could access energy assistance programs, energy efficiency programs, but also the buckets of money that Citizens has and we have um, to help our customers with their utilities utilities when they are facing a time in need. Um, so we have lots of different energy efficiency programs that we offer, um, as well as the different, you know, LIHEAP and Winter Assistance Fund. Um, and so we're finding that customers who have previously had to navigate these programs, a lot of the parameters of the programs are changing. So we wanted to help sort of create a process flow to help them better understand what those changes are for ease of access to these assistance programs. But then also you have the situation right now where Many customers who have never been in need of seeking out assistance, again, because of rising costs and inflation, they're in a situation where they're needing assistance dollars somehow, and they don't even know where to start. So we've developed a campaign through Utilities Unite for Customers to help them know where to start and how to navigate. Tanya, you with us for a few minutes on the program today. Uh, how easy, difficult has this process been to sort of to navigate? Because obviously when we talk about, you know, you know, climate change and, and global warming. You have, you have the, the, the extremes on sort of both sides. You have the, the one people who say, no, no more coal ever. You know, the other hand, people like, you know, you're trying to destroy our economy by putting all these coal miners out of work. How did, how did you guys manage to sort of navigate through, through, all, through, all, through all the noise, so to speak? It's, it is a delicate balance. And that's where, I mean, we had five public stakeholder meetings over the course of many, many months. Um, you know, participants were representatives from the city of Indianapolis. Um, we had participants from the Sierra Club, the Consumers Action Center, um, Consumers Action Council. So we did take that feedback and we solicited feedback from them. So they would receive prep materials a week in advance um, so that they could, they could look into what we were getting ready to present in the following public meeting um, so that they could come with, you know, thoughtfully prepared responses and and questions and and engaged. Um, And so, you know, we... 
it, it's a delicate balance because Yes, there are there are organizations that would prefer that we go 100% renewable tomorrow. But again, you have to you have to have the infrastructure, the runway, and the infrastructure to build the house, right? In other words, you can't just put, you can't just put a plane out there and just say take off. You got to have a runway and yeah. an airport. Um, and then you have the other individuals who are also looking at you know the preservation of you know longstanding you know histories, um, and so we. Our our main focus again is the core of the customer, and so making sure that we provide an outcome that is going to be affordable, reliable, and sustainable. Um, that that is at the core of of what our focus was. Um, we've got just a couple of seconds left here. Uh, what I was going to say is is the big challenge facing energy utility usage over, of course, say the next next generation. Do you think? Uh, well, I would say the next generation, I don't know. I mean, short term, it's a supply chain issue. Um, I think everyone is is facing supply chain issues. And I think, um, you know, I know that there is a lot of conversation. I mean, just for instance, the conversations that were happening at COP27 in Egypt um, with, you know, our very own governor and our AES Global Chief Operating Officer, Bernard. Um, you know, so I think as we look to transform the future of energy, within AES's global footprint, but also right here in the state of Indiana. Um, how can we, as the state of Indiana, be a supplier of choice and help develop some of these materials um, in order to provide the necessary energy infrastructure that we need right here in Indiana? All right. Well, our guest on the program today has been Tanya uh, Cersei. Uh, she is the chief spokesperson for our friends over at AES, literally right across the street from where we're in this conversation. Tanya, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to talk to you. Great. Thank you. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.